We'll hear argument today in Dolan versus United States Postal Service. Mr. Radmore. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. The Federal Tort Claims Act's postal matter exception bars any claim arising out of the failure of the Postal Service to fulfill its duty to deliver mail to its intended destination on time and in good condition, but does not bar any claim arising out of ordinary negligence that happens to occur while the tortfeasor is delivering mail. The petitioner's construction shields the government from all claims arising out of loss or damage or delay or destruction of the mail, while allowing claims that do not stem from all — do not stem from the violation of the unique duty of the Postal Service to make sure that the mail arrives on time and in good condition. It is the construction most faithful with the text and purpose of the Federal Tort Claims Act. The exception bars any claims, whether for personal injury or property damage, that arise while the mail is — if the mail is lost, misdelivered, damaged, or delayed. The government argues for a much broader construction that would bar all claims that arise from the handling of mail. The government's construction depends on a definition of transmission of the mail viewed in isolation from the rest. Mr. Radmore, what, what was the purpose of uh, the enactment of the waiver of federal sovereign immunity here? Was it to allow recovery for auto accidents occurring by postal trucks? Well, was that basically the purpose? Justice O'Connor, this Court's decision in Cossack tells us that one of the main purposes mm -hmm. in enacting the Federal Tort Claims Act was to allow private persons to be able to make claims against the Postal Service from motor vehicle Arising accidents. out of auto accidents. Correct. And uh, do we normally construe waivers of sovereign immunity narrowly? Well, once, once you I thought we did. But once there's a broad waiver. For auto accidents. Well, now, why should we interpret the uh, exception broadly? Well, the, ex the exception, this Court has told us in both Smith and Kozak that it is the, the lower courts in this Court, when they're viewing an exception to the Federal Tort Claims Act, that they shouldn't extend the waiver, nor should they um, view it more narrowly, that they should look at the waiver, they should look at the exception and make a determination as to what the meaning of the words are and what the reason for the exception was. And they should do no more nor no less. Well, I guess we've already construed it broadly, haven't we, in, uh, or, or ex uh, excuse me, uh, yes, construed the waiver broadly. Um, in in COSAC versus United States, we allowed a suit against uh, uh, against the United States for uh, negligence of a of a mail truck in an automobile accident. I suppose the language uh, could have covered that, couldn't it? Well, that's exactly what the point that our point is: is that because the uh, government and this case in in the uh, court in COSAC has told us that automobile uh, accidents are uh, not barred are from uh, by 
They're not barred. It in the could have been within the literal language. It could have been negligent. Uh, what is it? Negligent. Negligent. In the delivery of mail. Negligent, negligent transmission. transmission. Yeah. But an automobile accident is something, as the government points out, that any agency of government could be involved in, not peculiar to the Postal Service. But the transmission of the letter, if the words are negligent transmission, many people think of the Postal Service as a letter carrier delivering the mail to one's home. That, that act surely fits the word negligent transmission. Justice Ginsburg, in isolation, we admit that the word transmission could have the broad interpretation that the government has, uh, is urging this Court to follow. But you have to look at the term negligent transmission in the context of the whole exception. And if negligent transmission were to be given the broad interpretation that the government urges and the Third Circuit found, then the words loss and miscarriage in the exception would be superfluous. And we also know that this Court on prior occasions has indicated that the canon that words are known by their associates applies in construing exceptions to the Federal Tort Claims Act. And in, um, that canon tells us that when you have words that are in a group, they should be given like meaning. And we know that only mail can be lost, only mail can be delivered to the wrong location. And as a result, it's um, pretty clear that the term negligent transmission deals with the mail itself. And um, How, wait. It's not true that only mail can be lost or only mail can be delivered to the wrong location. If you order from a private delivery service, they can do all of those things as well. Well, well they can do all those things, but they don't have the benefit of the um, of sovereign immunity. What do you consider covered by negligent transmission? I take it if the if the the, the postal worker throws the package to the house and there's something in it that gets broken, uh, that's covered by the exception. Any damage to the mail itself would be covered to the exception, uh, by the exception. For instance, if a uh, if somebody had ordered their uh, medication over the uh, you know through the Medicare Act and they had ordered it from a uh, warehouse somewhere in Idaho, and the uh, the uh, during the uh, transmission of the mail the the medication had been lost. Well. If somebody was injured, if they had a stroke or they had a heart attack because they didn't get their mail on time. Right. But if now if they throw the package onto the porch and it lands in a place where somebody's going to trip over it, you say that's not covered by the exception. That's not covered because that's an act of ordinary negligence. Damage to the package would always be covered. But the act of creating a hazardous condition would not be covered because that's an ordinary tort that would be subject private persons to a liability between themselves. And that's the purpose of the Federal Tort Claims Act, is to allow the government to be held responsible for ordinary torts um, if there would be a, a like uh, liability between private persons. Wouldn't the term negligent transmission probably cover late deliveries? It would cover late deliveries. Or incorrect deliveries. It, it would could it, to the wrong address, something like that. Delay or damage yeah. to the it, it could cover, under, under your theory, this very act, uh, just, just dumping the stuff there on the porch. If the consequence of that had not been that the homeowner tripped over it, but that 
rain destroyed the contents of the of the letters so that they were illegible. That's correct. You would say that that would Justice Scalia, that's correct, that the exception would bar um, suit against the government for any damage to the actual contents of the package itself. So it, it seems to me a little strange that the same act is both uh, within the exception and not within the exception, the same act of negligence. Well, it's not really the same act. It's, it's the same act in that they used uh, the mail and there was a, a consequence to the mail. But create, the creation of a hazard or through some kind of careless act, whether it be the uh, postal employee or whether it be uh, a person um, that would uh, raise uh, 2680C from the uh, customs exception, whether or an IRS agent or a private person would all be responsible for creating a hazardous condition on the port. But isn't your response to Justice Scalia, you could make the same argument if there's an accident and the truck caught on fire and the mail was destroyed. You, you couldn't recover for the lost mail in the truck, but you could, re- but you could recover for personal injury resulting from the accident. Be precisely the same conduct. Precisely the same under our interpretation. That is a good answer. I'm, I'm glad you came up with it. <laughs> what, what does negligent transmission add to loss or miscarriage? Well, there, loss doesn't cover mail that would be delayed or damaged. But I suppose miscarriage does. Miscarriage would be mail that went to the wrong location. If it was misdelivered, um, that's what miscarriage would mean in this context. Or miscarried, like handled in a way that it's damaged or put in a place where it's going to be damaged. It seems to me that I'm not sure what additional weight negligent transmission covers if you have a reasonable reading of miscarriage. Well, you could look at every term in the exception, and if you gave it the broadest a definition possible, you could say that all of the words are superfluous, that loss would cover mail that was, you know, lost and not uh, delivered to the postal patron within two weeks. Then for that period of time, the mail was lost. But if you look at the exception... No, that, that doesn't work. I mean, if you deliver it to the, the, the house next door, you haven't lost it. You've misdelivered it or miscarried it. Um, I, don't, I don't think miscarriage is redundant, but you, your, your construction of negligent transmission is so narrow that I'm not sure it adds anything to miscarriage, which suggests it might. Well, miscarriage doesn't mean that the mail was damaged. Miscarriage, if I take the, if the mail is delivered, Mr. Justice Roberts, to your next-door neighbor, um, it doesn't mean the mail is, may be miscarriaged, but it's not delayed, and it's not damaged. What about so, delay? Does delay, isn't that something that's neither within loss or miscarriage? No, delayed wouldn't be within, within either term. Lost, I, I think, means exactly what it says. Mail that's lost. Lost means lost. Right. So, so if, in fact, uh, the uh, post office negligently uh, delays the knowledge that would come to me in the letter that I have 15 days to claim my billion-dollar inheritance, uh, I guess I couldn't sue. You couldn't sue. All right. Well, suppose what they do is — this is — seems to me this case is like a first-year law school <laughs> uh, hypothetical. But, I mean, the, the — suppose that the uh, — what they do is he puts the mail on the porch, my package, and he rips it open negligently, 
and there for everyone to see is the toupee that I ordered. And I sue, I sue for public humiliation. Say, I mean, uh, what, what about that one? <laughs> I have that same problem, too. <laughs> I mean, what I, to sort of put my cards on it, I, I was thinking, well, that comes close, but maybe it, maybe it is within the thing, within the, uh, uh, tra- within the exception. Uh, I'm not sure. And then uh, I, I think, think I think you're covered. Uh, I think it's negligence side, transmission. Hmm? On the other side, no, they see it, it, he put it on the porch, which is transmitting it in such a way that it fell open. But I'm just trying to think. And then the, the, on the other side of it, you have the uh, uh, automobile accident. And I guess he comes along the street, the postman swinging my package around and bops someone on the head with it. I guess that's covered. And then this case is somewhere in the middle. Well, Obviously, a line has to be drawn somewhere. But what's the principle according to which we're drawing it? Well, I think anything, any claim that would arise from the unique governmental duty to deliver the mail on time and in good condition would be barred. Any, if Excuse me, I don't understand your last, your last answer. You think bopping somebody on the head in the course of delivering a package would? Oh, no, it wouldn't be barred because that's an ordinary tort. But the mail, in that uh, hypothetical, the mail still arrived on time and in good condition, if they bopped somebody on the head, there wouldn't be a bar. Ordinary tort doesn't quite work, because I guess my public humiliation case is it could be an ordinary tort. Somebody could go up to this porch and rip it open. Nothing to do with the mail. And moreover, somebody could, in fact, uh, delay the uh, transmission of my inheritance. See, they could. So all those things could be ordinary. But they don't have a duty. The, the difference is, in that case, if a, if a private person were to go and open up the package, or if a private person were to take your uh, letter that showed that you had an inheritance, a private person, do, person doesn't have a duty. Only the government has a duty to deliver the mail on time and in good condition. Doesn't it have a In good condition. Therefore, when they put it, therefore, I guess, uh, ripping it open is, in fact, not in good condition, so maybe that is immune, and leaving it on the porch in a position where somebody would trip over it. You might say they didn't deliver it in good condition because what they're supposed to do is place it somewhere where uh, you don't trip over it, and that's good condition for the delivery. Well, it's not good condition for purposes of ordinary courts. The the exception bars um, a claim against the government for the contents of the package. In um, in your hypothetical, uh, Justice Breyer, if the toupee were damaged as a result of the package being opened, um, then you could not uh, make a claim because that was the content of uh, the mail. But if you fell over the package, that's an ordinary tort. That's a common duty between uh, private persons. As is an automobile accident, and the chief suggested to you that there are other kinds of people who deliver items, and that kind of negligence, you say, is within the exception. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't understand you your say, question, Justice Ginsburg. Is, I'm sorry, outside the exception. 
Correct. So there you're saying that the post office is just, it's just like everyone else with respect to automobile accidents, right? Yes, Justice Ginsburg. But, and you sh- therefore it should be just like everyone else with respect to this negligent delivery? With respect to ordinary torts. If they create, if the post office uh, creates a hazardous condition, then they should be uh, responsible just as private persons are. We know that that's the purpose of the the, uh, broad waiver of sovereign immunity under the Federal Tort Claims Act, is to make the government uh, or to allow private persons to make a claim against the government if there is a duty that is common to private persons. Mr. Radmer, I, I don't think you're quite correct when you say with regard to an automobile accident is just like a private entity delivering mail or delivering packages. If a private uh, a delivery service had an automobile accident that resulted in the destroy, uh, destruction of a package, a, a private party could sue for the contents of the package. But that's not true with regard to the Postal Service. That's absolutely correct, Justice Stevens. And I believe that that's really the biggest problem the government has with their interpretation of negligent transmission. Uh, Because if there's an exclusion for motor vehicle accidents, then that would mean that that exclusion would not only apply to the terms of the exception negligent transmission, but if it's an exclusion, as the government has um, argued for, though they haven't explained why uh, the exclusion wouldn't apply to loss and miscarriage. The logical um, endpoint of their exclusion is that if you have a tractor trailer that has 10,000 IRS refund uh, checks on it, and uh, that tractor trailer is in an accident and all of the refund checks are destroyed, well, any private person who didn't get their refund check in time and couldn't pay their mortgage or they couldn't pay for their credit card bill or they couldn't do something as a result of the loss of those um, refund checks would be able to make a claim against the government as long as the loss occurred from a motor vehicle accident. They make no explanation as to why that would not be the case. you, you, You assert that would be the case. Don't you? No, I, I assume. I mean, you, you, you assert that they would be able to sue. Oh, not at all. If the, anything, any time that the mail is lost, the mail is delivered to the wrong location, the mail is damaged or delayed through negligence, regardless if it's a motor vehicle accident, then the government is protected. And so it's. But I guess, I, following up on Justice Stevens' question, you're, your theory with respect to negligent transmission is that the Postal Service should be liable in the same way that private parties are. But that theory doesn't hold up when you're talking. That's not your theory. That's not. Well, then what is your? Our theory is, is if there's damage to the mail, there's an exception to, to, um. Well, that's mis- sorry. I would have thought that was miscarriage. Damage? Or loss. Well, if it was mis- if it was the same as miscarriage or loss, then that makes the whole term negligent transmission superfluous. And this court has told us that every uh, term in and in the ex- any exception should be uh, viewed 
Well, so it's only it's superfluous under your reading. If it covers, for example, putting the package, negligently placing the package in a location where it's going to cause injury, well, then it's not superfluous. Well, in, in a broad — that's true if you're going to read the word so broadly — um, that it would then make loss and miscarriage superfluous. You're, you're no, using — No, please. I was just — it wouldn't make it superfluous at all. Loss would cover loss. Miscarriage would cover damage. And negligent transmission would be transmitting it negligently, such as leaving it where somebody's going to trip over it. But the broad interpretation that the government asked for and that the Third Circuit uh, followed was that negligent transmission covered anything that occurred to the mail from the time the mail was dropped off at the post office until it arrived at a third to the third person. So with that broad definition of negligent transmission, anything that occurred, whether it was a loss of the mail, whether it was misdelivered to the wrong location, would be covered, and that would make the words loss and miscarriage superfluous. But you're taking as your prime example, or a prime example, of what would be covered by the exception of negligent transmission, the package that is delivered to the right place on time, uh, and all the china inside the box is smashed. I mean, that would be an example that would fit your theory. That's correct. Yeah. There would be a bar. The bar would apply. And, and you, you, would, you would say that's supported by the, the you know, the Nascatura Sochi's argument because uh, it's, it's, it's damage uh, um, to, to the mail or the condition of the mail or the manner in which the mail itself uh, is, is delivered. Uh, but it, it, that's more or less where you, where you think the exception should stop. That's more rather than less. That's exactly where we think. Yeah, your theory is basically that the exception just uh, deals with bad things that happen to the mail. Well, it also um, would protect the government when there is a, either a personal injury or some kind of loss, a personal injury or an economic loss that arises from the damage mm -hmm. or delay to the mail. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I brought up the example of the uh, medication, or mm -hmm. if, if you had a uh, check or a mm -hmm. coupon bond that was destroyed. But that would be, in each case, in each example you're giving, as I understand it, that would be as a consequence to a, a violation that affected the mail itself in the first place. Yes, Justice. I lose the, I lose the money because the mail is slow or whatever. Yes, Justice Souter. Exactly. And if there's no other questions, I'll reserve the remainder of my time. Thank you, Mr. Radmore. Ms. Millett. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. Um, Justice O'Connor, when you mentioned that this is a so waiver of sovereign immunity and we have to construe that with that in mind, it's sort of central to our starting point for understanding this statute. This claim falls squarely within the text of the statutory exception, and there doesn't seem to be much dispute about that. And the question is but, whether — But isn't it true that it falls squarely within the word transmission — just exactly as an automobile accident arising out of carrying, uh, transmitting mail does. It falls with Both the, equally within the 
plain language? It falls within the word transmission, but the relevant phrase is negligent transmission of mail or postal matter. Which is happening in in the truck when it has an accident. But what you're suing over in that case, and this is exactly the line this Court drew in Kozak, your claim isn't — it has to arise out of the negligent transmission of mail. Your claim when the when the the delivery truck or the postal truck rear-ends you doesn't arise out of the handling of the mail. It arises out of the handling of the vehicle. There's two activities going on at the same time, and you're suing about the one and not the other. And I think it's a common — Well, suppose you have a big crate uh, that the uh, postman uses because you've been away for a week and you have the mail, and he leaves a crate there, and you trip on the crate. And under your, your view, there'd be liability because the crate's like the — the crate isn't the mail. I think at that point, sort of the crate and the mail have become one thing, as if you left it in, in a bag um, or if they put a plastic bag around it to protect it from the rain. And technically, you would trip over the plastic bag, but it's the lump of mail that you're tripping over. I mean, if, if the crate had some bars sticking out and all you tripped over was the bar and not the mail — then that, that might be a different case. But I do think that we have to look carefully at whether it arises out of the handling of the mail. And that is a distinction that protects the activity that the Postal Service is engaged in that Congress wanted to protect, the handling of the mail. It's, it's a protection for the Postal The key post, word in the statute is transmission, not the transmission of letters or postal matter. The, the key words, I think, are the whole exception, which is arising out of the negligent transmission of mail. It's not negligent activities of the Postal Service. The text focuses — it's a protection for the post, not the Postal Service. And just but, as if you're — If that's true, why do you need the words miscarriage? Why do you need the word miscarriage in the statute? I, I think miscar- miscarriage captures delivery to the wrong person, which doesn't harm the mail. Um, itself. But so would the word transmission. If you, under your reading, you don't need the word miscarriage. But transmission adds a lot. I, th- I think if you look sort of sequentially the way Congress was thinking, and it may not have been at sort of this level, but loss is mail that doesn't go anywhere, doesn't get there. Miscarriage gets to the wrong person. Transmission gets to the right person, but something went wrong in the process. And so if you look at it that way, yes, there's, there's no doubt there's overlap, but transmission captures a lot more than just miscarriage. It is important to understand well, It covers damage, for one thing. It covers, it covers damage. It covers — Which loss doesn't and, and, and uh, uh, miscarriage doesn't. Absolutely. Um, and the same delay may, may or not be within. But the other thing that, 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 that petitioner's theory doesn't capture are two very important things. One is the decision to admit things to the mail — in the first place, if it ends up being a letter bomb uh, or, unfortunately, anthrax or biohazards. I mean, we ship poisons. We ship medical specimens. We ship live alligators. I mean, you wouldn't believe what goes into the mail. And there has to be some protection for that decision to admit things into the mail in the first place. The other thing it doesn't capture is the very important decisions that the post office has to make about getting the mail to someone on time. Part of that is how I get it there. And it's, it's, it includes not just how I get the millions of packages every day that don't fit in a mailbox or a mail slot to their customers. It includes how, after a hurricane, we decide to deliver mail outside the Superdome or to people whose mailboxes have been blown off of their houses. So how, how does it hurt you, uh, say, in, in the live alligator, et cetera, case? If the court says 
Well, anything that's special in respect to transmission of live alligators, because it's the male, et cetera, delayed, or I, I don't know how else you'd get a tort out of it. But if it's simply the kind of thing that anyone could do, like driving a postal truck or leaving something on a porch that somebody trips over or walking along the street swinging the live alligator over your head or whatever you do, that kind of thing that anybody does, just coincidence it's a postman who's doing it, that kind of thing doesn't mean to fall within the transmission. Now, suppose that that was the holding. How would the government be hurt? First of all, that, that if, the, if the exception, as I understand it, is sort of harms to or from the content of the mail, that isn't going to What we'd look to is you'd look to the purpose of this. The purpose of it was basically, I gather, from the history as recounted in Cusack and what, what the court said in Cusack, the purpose of this is to try to uh, bring back into sovereign immunity so you're not sued all the time the very kind of common suit that a person could protect himself with a loss by registering the package, by taking out this uh, ordinary transmission insurance, which is not that hard to do. So they said if we start opening it up to misdelivery uh, claims, all that family of things, everybody will say, hey, you hurt my pet, you didn't give me the check. I mean, all kinds of things will be opened up. But the government's already liable for what I'd call the swinging the package around, leaving it slip-and-fall trucks. So that falls on the other side. Now, now how does that hurt you, the government, if that's uh, how we'd come out? It hurts us. I mean, my starting point, first of all, is this text and not legislative history or purpose. I can't get too far is. with the text. I think you have a great claim, and so does the other side. But if it's just the text, that's not my question. But the question is, if I think the text is perfectly ambiguous on this, I look to the purpose, suppose I came out the way I just said. How would the government be hurt is what I want to know. What, what the government is hurt by is the fact that you're, some, you're allowing torts for the one activity that is distinct to the Postal Service amongst governmental agencies, and that is the act of delivery. That is what the transmission exception protects. When you're, do when you're driving a vehicle, the postal employee is, making the, is not making mail-specific judgments. The postal employee is making the same judgments that I made driving to work today and that everyone else on the road makes. But when you are making decisions about how to deliver 660 million pieces of mail a day to 142 million different locations, the bottom of the Grand Canyon, remote Alaska, and urban cities, that to get that job done, you have to be able to make judgments about the actual act of delivery. Well, why, why is mail-specific mail any different than the grocery boy? Is it grocery-specific, under your view? No, but it's clear that Congress wanted to capture negligence. I mean, it's the, it, it, the fact that there has to be an analog to private people or we're not in the Federal Tort Claims Act land anyhow. Um, the question is, which of those activities? And the text focuses on the but actual you're, But you're, you're saying, you're, you want us to say that the mail is somehow unique, but, but it isn't. There's all kinds of deliberate. It, it, whether or not it's unique, Congress focused on the presence of mail and a mail-specific judgment. That's how we read but I'm saying the text it's not mail-specific because all delivery people have the same problem. The so why is it mail-specific? First of all, the decision to put it into a mailbox is a uniquely postal experience. And letters are carried in a mail truck, but we allow uh, a cause of action uh, for negligence of the driver of the mail truck. That's unique to mail, too. 
Drive, the, driving is not unique to the mail. It's not even amongst agencies, let alone amongst private parties. The quite what and it, that was the, the very point. Leaving something on the porch where somebody can trip on it isn't unique to mail. It doesn't, just as driving a truck isn't. It doesn't have to be unique to mail. If it is unique to mail, if there's no private party analog, the Federal Tort Claims Act doesn't apply by its own terms. But what I mean, there is a distinct and unique postal act of putting things into the mailbox. So if, in and fact, if it, you have a driver of the truck, the postal truck, and what he does is he puts the mail in the truck so my skis, which I've shipped by mail, happen to stick out the side, and as he walk, drives along, he just mows down the pedestrians. I take it on your theory that the, there's no lawsuit. The, if you're damaged, harms to and from the mail, yes. Yes, that is our position. If he mows them down with his arm or with his rearview mirror on his truck, your, your, the, the liability attaches. But you asked why it is important, Justice Breyer, and one of the reasons it's very important is to look at these types of claims. The Postal Service is defenseless. We are essentially defenseless when we get one of these claims. Unlike the, the vehicle accident where we are a party to it and know what happens when it happens, this type of injury we may not know about for up to two years well, after well, let, it happens. Let, let me ask you about defenses, and it goes a little bit beyond the suit, but as I, I read through the regulations and as the duty of the occupant of the recipient of the mail to, to provide a box or a letter slot or something, uh, would the failure to do that uh, so that they just have to put it on the porch, is that a defense? Uh, Let's assume there's liability. Mm -hmm. Let's assume that your uh, interpretation of the statute does not prevail here. Uh, Does the post office have a defense if the person doesn't provide a mailbox, as the regulations require? Um, I'm not going to say here that we wouldn't have some defenses. Someone may want to invoke at a future time, but I'm not very optimistic because I think the fact that that they may not have a box doesn't mean that we could put it, assuming your theory that we're liable, put it somewhere negligently is, as opposed to non-negligently. Reg, are there regulations requiring that the mail be put in a reasonably safe place? And by that I mean reasonably safe uh, for the occupant, not reasonably safe for the mail. You, it, because you quote, you quote on, on, on page two, the footnote, uh, you, you quote the regulation. But I read that that has to be reasonably safe for the mail because it says, oh, you can leave it on a stairway or, uh, or under a porch just so long as it's safe for the mail. That's the way I read that one. I mean, I, I think they make the same as a practical. Is there text in the domestic mail manual that specifically says put it where somebody won't slip? No. Um, I think it's the same judgment that's being made. They're, they're making the best judgments that they can, but there is, you know, they're sort of caught between them. They need to put it somewhere where it's sheltered, and that tends to be close up to buildings. Um, and the problem is it's not. Well, I guess once my, it's on po- the gr- my point is if there's a duty, then uh, it, it seems to me the post office is used to. Uh, making these judgments. And if it does not make the correct judgment, it can be sued. I'm not saying that you're creating a cause of action. I'm I'm, I'm just saying that you're you're not that much different than any institution faced with slip and fall cases. The the except, it is different. The exception applies whether we do it negligently or non-negligently. And so the fact that we didn't happen to do it, at least allegedly negligently in this case, isn't what, can't be what triggers the exception. And what is different is you un- understanding as a practical matter what the postal carriers are supposed to do millions of times every day when the mail doesn't you got fit. The, well, that's exactly the point I'd like you to hone in on, because I don't see what's — you say, well, we're defenseless. Why are you more defenseless than any other business that leaves things on porches? 
that, that might be, you know, 482 million Apple deliverers or Domino Pizza people. I don't know. Or they, they ring the bell probably, but some t- uh, McDonald's hamburgers, uh, uh, lots of department stores. I mean, a lot of people leave things on par- porches. So why are you more defenseless than they? Because, because we, first of all, we leave it there for 37 cents. And we leave it in a, sh- a volume, 660 million pieces of a day. FedEx and UPS aren't even in the neighborhood. Well, are you talking hour. about you're talking about letters, though, right? I mean, are they, is FedEx and, and UPS in the neighborhood when you're talking about packages, no. size that have no. to be left on the no. porch? No, 660 million includes letters and packages. Right. UPS does, I think, about 12 million a day. FedEx about 5 million. Well, what's what's the postal service number for large packages? Large, I mean, they, they don't count it by large, yeah. meaning or what will fit inside the mailbags. I simply can't give you a number. Oh, well, that's, that, uh, that's what people are likely to trip over. I mean, they're not likely to trip over a letter. You know, a number of letters bundled together. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see what could happen if, in fact, the liability is allowed. If you're, you know, you go to put it into the mailbox and a piece slips out of the mailman's hand and lands on the porch, and it's one of those cellophane envelopes and it's slippery. I mean, that's maybe all that it takes of how many claims of this nature there are. No, we, we do have the Second Circuit case on one side. By the way, I, I didn't notice that you referred to the Second Circuit decision in your brief, did you? I don't Both. remember. I know it was in our brief in opposition, but I don't recall if I did in this. In, in the brief here, well, it, it surprised me that there were those two cases, but you have any notion of how many slip and fall, trip over mail cases, claims are filed? I, I can give you a, a rough estimate. Um, there, there are 700, about 700 slip and fall cases a year, but the vast, vast majority of those are slipping in a building on, you know, a slippery floor, which we could see liability for. Probably, you know, le- less than a dozen or ten or so a year thus far. But you we've can been see able liability for slippery for uh, in the post office. Yes, we can see liability for that because that it, just like that's not handling of the mail, that's handling of a building or handling of a vehicle, which we see different from handling but of the mail. It was in one of the briefs an example where there's a puddle created by the janitor. There, the post office is liable. It relates to taking care of the building. There's a parcel of mail. Uh, that has a liquid in it and is dropped and the puddle is created by that, no liability. And you agree that that would be the result? If, if we break, if we break, whatever damage is done to the mail and the package in the mail, the liquid in the mail cannot be sued over. That is, and I think petitioners agree, damage to and from the mail. So you agree that that hypothetical is yes. correct? And there's another one they gave. The letter carrier comes, he's got a mailbag filled with mail, dumps it on the street while he takes a a rest, somebody trips over it. That's case one. Case two is he's finished making his rounds and he dumps the sack on the street. It has no mail on it and somebody trips over it. Uh, On your theory of the case, would there be liability in both situations or only in the one where the mailbag was stuffed full of mail? If you're tripping over mail and the mailbag has mail in it, there's no liability. You're harmed from the mail. If it's from mail apparatus or, you know, a, a postal employee's legs sticking out while they're sleeping, 
um, then we will admit liability for that. The focus, our, our view of the focus of, of this exception, I think by its text, and this is exactly what the Court said in Kozak, is on the handling of the mail. And that is a very important line for the Postal Service. They have to make hard judgments. Except that you, my biggest hang-up, and I, I wish you'd go through your, your distinguishing of it again, is, is, the, is the Kozak case. Uh, Carrying the mail in a mail truck is the handling of the mail. There's no doubt that it's the handling of the mail. And it seems to me it doesn't, it isn't enough to say, well, other people drive trucks too. Well, that's true, but other people deliver packages too and, and leave them on the doorstep. How do you distinguish COSAC? I think, first of all, it's just dicta in COSAC, which in fact construed the customs exception to include both, you know, not to turn upon the type of damage that ensued. So we actually are asking for the sort of same analysis of the holding in COSAC. The dicta in COSAC about motor vehicles is different. I think if I could just, for the logical reason, if someone rear-ends you, you don't — Excuse me. I I assume the government has conceded COSAC, uh, the dictum in COSAC. Yes. Do do you concede that point or not? If you concede the point, it doesn't matter whether it's dictum. I, I, I agree, but I want to point out that the whole — You are trying to draw a distinction between driving the mail in the truck and leaving the mail on the doorstep. What's the basis for that distinction? And, and that language has to be read against the backdrop of the holding of COSAC, which recognized that when you have exceptions that are written in these broad terms, the form of the injury, the particular type of personal injury, there it was property injury that ensues, doesn't change whether the exception applies. Motor vehicles are different. If you're rear-ended by a truck, you don't jump out, jump out and say, hey, you negligently transmitted the mail. You say you, you jump out and you say you didn't, your brake lights weren't working, you didn't signal. Those are, the, there are not judgments about the handling of the mail being made that the claim arises out of. You're not suing about how we handle the mail. You're suing about how we handle motor vehicles. Yes, at 30,000 feet, it's all trans. But if the postman throws the box onto the porch and hits somebody there, you say that's within the exception? Yes. That's, if we del- but you don't say, hey, you hit me with the mail, right? You say you hit me with a box. Your claim arises out of how we handled the mail, not how we handled a vehicle, not how we handled a building, not how we handled the claim mail arises credits. out of how he handled the box, just like yes. in the other case it arises out of how he handled the vehicle. Mm-hmm. You don't care whether it's the mail or not. By the same token, when you trip over something, a box, you don't care whether it's a mailbox or if it's the box from UPS. And yet in your case, it makes all the difference in the world. Perhaps I misunderstood. If, I thought the box was the mail itself that you're throwing yeah. out of it. And if the box, your injury arises, if it's to or from the mail, right. it's within the exception. And, yes, there are fine lines as with, with any of these distinctions in practice, in practice, for the practical reason that you don't have the sheer volume of claims against which the Postal Service is largely defenseless that you have when you start talking about delivery. I suppose your defense affects the process. In other words, you would more and more be leaving those, the little slips of paper saying go down to the post office and pick up your package rather than leaving the package on the porch. I think that's exactly right. And it's hard to decide. That is, you know, what happens here when I show up with oversized mail as a mail carrier? I've got the choice of delaying your receipt of the mail by taking it back to the Postal Service, inconveniencing you, making you come downtown. That act is within the exception. I can uh, try a person-to-person delivery, but the Postal Service went away from that for logical reasons because that will delay everybody else's mail. 
and there's no liability for all of those delays. If you set the same package down and it has medicine or food in it, says Mark Perishable on the outside, it's in the sun, it goes rotten, the person gets sick, there's no liability. But this is a protection for an activity of the government, like many of the other Federal Tort Claim Act exceptions. And the protection for that activity is an upfront protection that doesn't turn on the happenstance of which particular form of injury is is manifested at hours later. And it's an important reason, as I said, not only for the sheer volume of claims that we could face if this is opened up on how we deliver, um, but all, and our inability to defend, when two years later we simply do not, ha- unlike FedEx or UPS or probably the pizza delivery, we can't recreate months later how we delivered the mail. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're using the word deliver, but the statutory word is transmit. And uh, are there other statutes or regulations in respecting the post office that talk about delivery? There. The word, del- because it seems to me the, the omission of delivery, it seems to me, is is a, a, a real problem for you in, in your theory of the case. No, I don't think so. And as we chronicle at length in our brief, both through history and contemporaneously, the use of the word transmit and transmission in postal services is commonplace. And it means delivery to — it means getting something to the person. Congress has consistently used transmission that way. And the other thing I would like to bring you back to is understand that the reason the vehicle distinction worked, one of the reasons Congress would have expected that, is that had happened before in history. We show, again, in our brief, a number of cases for a long time. There have been distinctions between allowing liability for, and back then it was stagecoach drivers that drove too fast through town. Um, and those cases were held, you know, when, when, you, when you held someone liable for driving too fast through town, that was held not to be a stoppage of the mail, stoppage of the transmission of the mail. But when you tried to regulate more fundamentally how the Postal Service decided to do its deliveries and whom it would authorize to do, undertake the delivery, that was held to interfere with the mails. And I but think — But I'm surprised there's no empirical uh, examples of what well, I would think would have happened in 50 years and tens of millions of packages, that a package falls off a truck. You know, the next driver veers somewhere and and uh, gets into an accident, and they say it, was the, it wasn't packed properly. I think that should have happened sometime in the post service over postal service over 50 years. My guess is it did happen, and you just paid. My guess is that we did not pay because that really? would be an injury rising. Is there any? Do we actually know me? either of us? I don't. I confess. Do you? Do you? Do you? I, I, I don't off the top of my head, but but I, you know the distinctions that in talking with the postal service here. Um, I mean, it may, one would think it might have happened, but perhaps it hasn't. Hopefully it hasn't. But if it has, I mean, it's a fine distinction. Any tort, you know, first-year tort student knows that tort lines can, you know, give, give rise to difficult analysis at times. But if you understand that what Congress was trying to protect here was the movement of the mail and the handling of the mail in a way that the Postal Service does, I, I, really I, no one else. I don't understand your last distinction. You say there is no, no liability for the package that falls off the back of the truck, but there is liability if the truck hits another vehicle. Well, I, I really don't understand the basis for that distinction. The claim for the — for assuming it's a mispacking of the mail into the truck is the right, claim. Right, which happens all the time in, in other trucks, not just mail trucks. Then that is — that is an argument. I mean, plain text of the statute. 
That is a char an allegation that we negligently transmitted the mail. We handled it negligently in how we packaged it. But and you can say the same thing about the driving of the truck that contains the mail. You can say that, but what, when someone you know, sues, what they're upset about is how you handled the vehicle, not how you handled the mail. Yes, at 30,000 feet, you can look at this and say it's all transmission, but Congress was looking at this as sort of on-the-ground level. And in practical experience, the, the, the person who's hit by the mail truck doesn't care if there's mail in there or not. Their injury is completely unaffected. The presence of mail is incidental, irrelevant same thing, to that the, liability. Same thing with the person who veers uh, to avoid the package that falls off the back of the mail truck. No, but that, what they've been injured by, the, the presence of mail is the cause of the accident but and the way it was packed. But, but the person who trips doesn't say, oh, this really hurts me because it's mail instead of a box of oranges. Who put this mail here? This, is, this mail shouldn't be here. I mean, you have — a simple way of looking at it is you have two things going on at the same time in the car, in the vehicle. You've got the regular activity of driving, and you've got the transmission of mail. But when you come to the porch, you have one activity and one activity only. No, well, but your argument, as I understand it, on the, on the truck accident and on the package that falls out of the truck is that the fact that mail transmission is going on at the same time is, is utterly irrelevant uh, to the cause of the damage. And isn't it equally open to the — isn't your position equally open to the argument that when the person trips over the package on the porch, it is utterly irrelevant that that package has been placed there by a postal employee and has been carried in the mail. It is in the same — it has the same character vis-a-vis -vis tripping that a brick or a rock or any other package might have. So if you're going to be consistent with respect to the, the passage of the truck, the package that drops out of the truck, and the, the piece and the package on the porch, don't you have to say it is irrelevant that the package in the porch has been carried in the mail and put there by a postal employee. It's its character of package at that place that matters. Its character is mail that matters. Mail that's been in transmission is what matters. No, but and you can say, then you can say exactly the same thing about the package that falls off the truck. You can characterize that. You can say, look, it wouldn't have been in the truck if they weren't delivering mail. She says that. What direct, but, right, what, what but, direct? But you, and, and you could say uh, that there wouldn't have been any accident with the truck if the truck hadn't been delivering mail. It may not be delivering mail at the time it has an accident with you. There's no way the delivery of mail occurs without the actual delivery of mail. That's the point. But, again, you have a text here that does not admit of distinctions based on what kind of injury happens two hours later, whether it's spoiled food, an exploding package, or a trip. And if, if it's difficult, this is a waiver of sovereign immunity. And the fact that this is in the text, this case doesn't involve a vehicle, um, and that this case raises serious concerns for the Postal Service about how it's going to handle an enormous But can I just ask mail. this question? Uh, the case is a little bit uh, on the border because it's a slip and fall, and it, does, it may, may not have been negligence, we, but we're assuming uh, the allegations are true. But your position would apply to an intentional tort as well as a negligent tort, I think, wouldn't it? Not if it's transmission of the mail, because the, the exception only applies to negligent transmission of the mail. And so if we intentionally bop you over the head with the package, um, that would not be within the exception. Okay. Would, would that uh, — this is neither here nor there, I guess, but would that be within the waiver? 
Negligence, intentional torts aren't covered yeah. by that. No, actually, uh, wrong, negligent or wrongful acts are covered. There's 2680H, which covers a number of intentional torts, and it's often referred to as the intentional tort exception, but actually wouldn't cover uh, — bopping with a package would probably be assault. Um, but if we deliver a package that has anthrax in it, uh, I don't know that that would be covered. Um, maybe, maybe we would try and our Well, only because well. you weren't intention. You, your right. intent was not to deliver anthrax. Right. But not but all the intent is to hit the person with the alligator that you're swinging. But uh, not that right. would be an intentional. But not tort. all intentional torts fall within 2680H. If I don't like you and I intentionally deliver your mail to your neighbor, knowing that it's got your inheritance information in it, I don't think that would fall within 2680H, which normally normally is essentially largely encompasses interference with contract rights and sort of physical assault, battery, those types of claims. But again, I think it's very important to keep in mind here that we do have, we have text, this is a waiver of sovereign immunity, and that this falls within the text. There, there are two ways of looking at it. Their way does not capture important things to the Postal Service. It doesn't seem to capture what is admitted into the mails. And it doesn't seem to capture the important decisions that are made. It may not seem so important in this one case to have put the mail on the porch, but multiply it by tens of millions of times a day when that decision is made. And the decision that that balance of putting things there in a sheltered way, hopefully that will both protect the mail and the people, instead of either reverting to -to person-to-person delivery for all oversized mail or making people come down like the old days to the post office to pick it up. Thank you. Thank you, Counsel. Uh, Mr. Radmore, you have seven minutes remaining. Just uh, one point. Um, the choice of what to take into the mail would be covered by the discretionary function exception of the uh, uh, exceptions to the Federal Tort Claims Act. So I, I think that's a red herring. And with uh, that, if there's no questions, the petitioner will waive the remainder of his Do you have any — I mean, you'll be responsible if you prevail for all of us having to go down to the post office every time we get <laughs> packages. I, I mean, it's uh, — there well, — do probably, you have any response to that policy concern? Then I'll probably be subject to some intentional torts myself. What about the practical problem that was raised that — in the automobile accident, there's witnesses, there's a police report usually, but a slip and fall over mail, nobody's around. These are uh, easily made up, and the post office has no opportunity to check. The post office has every opportunity, just as in any um, ordinary tort. All the defenses apply. In this particular case, um, the post office, and has been alluded to by several justices, would be that they have the defense of contributory negligence. They would have any defense that would be available. The, the point that they, I think that they were making is that there will be an investigation on the spot ordinarily in the case of a vehicle collision. Post office won't even know about this slip and fall until a claim is filed, which could be weeks and weeks later. But that's the, that's the situation in any tort. There doesn't have to be a, a police report necessarily in an automobile accident. And in a, any slip and fall or any tort um, beyond the uh, motor vehicle accident, um, it's the same situation. It's not unique to the post office. 
Yeah, but the volume is unique. In other words, the, 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 there aren't going to, be, in a typical case, be a lot of witnesses, and the volume is unique, and you can't bring the postal carrier in two years after the fact and say, do you remember where you placed this parcel uh, on, on this porch on this day? That's what you'd have to do to a uh, UPS or Federal Express employee. And I, I believe um, Solicitor General's response uh, to Justice Ginsburg's question about the number of claims that you have a year, I, I believe the Solicitor General said situations like this arise ten times a year. Um, and the postal the post office's own um, handbook uh, dealing with uh, the handling of negligence cases sets forth procedures and policies that deal exactly with this type of circumstance. If we look at the handbook, um, I think Justice Kennedy referred to the uh, handbook, and that's Section uh, 141 of the, uh, pen, the uh, Postal uh, uh, Investigation Handbook talks about claims that arise um, for personal injury or property damage during the delivery of the mail. So at least since, and that's been, that was put in place in 1992, so we at least know for the last 13 years um, that they've anticipated these uh, type of claims, and according to the government, there's only been 10 a year. So I don't think that there's um, a real concern uh, by the post office that there's going to be some a floodgate of litigation opened up. Thank you, counsel. Case is submitted.